Hey, I'm Robert Bordelon Pearson, and this is Blue Collar Bible Scholar. And we're talking about fasting today. <clears throat> um, I did so recently, and then recently came across a resource about fasting. And uh, it's been buzzing through my head, so I thought I'd talk about it, because it doesn't get talked about, like, at all, by anybody. So, uh, here we go. Uh, this isn't going to be as, like, high-level theological fasting, like, talk more just practical how you can actually start doing it. Um, I'll have a list of verses, from almost all, all of them from the New Testament down in the description, but there's uh, tons of good Old Testament verses as well, usually just examples of people doing it. Um, but here, literally, I'm just covering what it is, why you should do it, uh, when, or what kind of schedules you should be looking at, and then how to start uh, if you're not already. Because you should be, because it's, uh, it's kind of part of the whole Christian thing. Alrighty. What is fasting? It's not eating. That's it. The word fast is used in the same sense that when you, you bind something fast or you hold it fast or you stand fast. You know, the master and commander, far side of the world, that old guy has the tattoos on knuckles. You better fast, right? Uh, that's to, to be still or fixed or moving. And it has to do with closing your mouth. It's not eating. Now, I'm a little, I'm a little hard line on this. Because that's the only actual real fast is no food. Sometimes the Bible will specify no food and water, but if the word fast is used, it's assumed you're not eating. So if you're going without Mountain Dew, that's not a fast. If you're just eating vegetarian for a month, that's not a fast. You're not fasting. You're, you're still eating, so you're not fasting. It's called breakfast because you break your fast from the night before. You haven't eaten for, you know, eight or six hours or however much sleep you get. So your breakfast is the first meal of the day. You break your fast with that meal. So the Daniel fast isn't a fast. If you've never heard of it, ignore this. It's not important. The, if you have heard of it and you like the book, I'm sorry. It's a garbage book. Daniel didn't fast. At the start of the book. He asked for fruits and vegetables. Because. He was trying to not disobey. The Old Testament dietary laws. That he was still under. It said he would not defile himself. He got taken out of Israel. To the court of a pagan king. All of that pagan king's meat. Is going to be either unclean animals. Offered to idols. Or both. They're not supposed to be eat, eat meat with the blood in it. And even there were certain fish they're not allowed to eat. They can only eat stuff with scales, no shellfish. They can only eat certain birds. And uh, there's no way to guarantee what meat they're feeding you comes from what animal. So the easiest way to maintain the Old Testament dietary laws and be obedient to the Lord and not defile yourself with pagan food is fruits and vegetables. All fruits and vegetables are on the menu. Uh, it says so in Genesis, we're good to go. No such thing as clean and unclean fruits and veggies. They're all good. So, he was able to do that. That wasn't a fast. He was maintaining the Old Testament dietary laws to honor God, because that was the covenant he's under. Um, people who maintain Old Testament dietary laws have wonderful health benefits. Good job. It's almost like God knew what he was doing. Now, later on in the book, it says he abstained from meat and wine, and that he was fasting. That's still not a fast. It says, and... He was fasting like later, like four verses down. It says he abstained from meat and wine for like three weeks. 
And then there's a break, and then it says, and in fasting or whatever, he was praying to God. Uh, that's the only time fasting shows up in the entire book of Daniel. So uh, you can abstain from things that you enjoy for a time to honor God, but it's not actually a fast. And just be honest about that. Daniel fast isn't a fast. Now, uh, why? So yeah, what is fasting? You don't eat. Sometimes you don't eat and you don't drink water. And it's for any period of time, right? Even breakfast, right? It's just going to sleep at night. You're fasting until you wake up in the morning, okay? Uh, now, there are just tons of resources about the health benefits of fasting, um, regulating your blood sugar, regulating body hormones, all kinds of cool stuff. You can look into it. It's almost like when you obey God and you do things that are pious, that are righteous and that you're supposed to be doing as a Christian, like read your Bible, pray, you know, live a godly life, fast, suddenly you're health, you have all these health benefits you don't even know about, you don't need to know about them, but they're there, but that's not why you're going to fast. That can't be the reason you're fasting in this context, right? There are people that do intermittent fasting as sort of a health trend. I hate to say trend because there's a lot of guys that get a lot of benefit out of it, but it's a, it's a way of scheduling your eating. So you can uh, maintain a certain body fat and not put on a bunch of weight, just living your life. Um, so it's plenty of stuff to look into if you're interested in health benefits of fasting. There's tons of different health ways to fast. What I'm talking about here is specifically religious fasting as a, a period of time of devotion to God. Uh, if you, I'll actually, I'm going to make a note right now so I don't forget. Um, I meant to do it in my prep and I forgot. C.S. Lewis. I'm going to have a link in the description for C.S. Lewis, who, uh, there's an essay on YouTube. You can find all his essays, the whole YouTube channel, C.S. Lewis essays. They're amazing. Uh, he's got one where he describes the purpose of fasting, how to do it and stuff. Uh, but as far as, like, it's not, uh, some of my explanation is from this, but I also had that understanding beforehand, you know, Bible college, growing up in church stuff. Um, when you fast, you're not doing anything special for God. Like, he doesn't get anything out of it, right? It doesn't do anything extra special. It's for you. It's for us because we're the silly little human meatbags that need to get smarter and more patient and more diligent and more focused. And uh, the way I describe it um, to my kids and stuff when I explain to them, for people who are going to freak out, they're not... Like, they'll, like, skip breakfast, and we explain what fasting is, and that's it. And it's occasionally. Relax. We're, we're all healthy, fat Americans. We're all overfed as it is. It's fine. Um, I'm not doing anything crazy. But when we explain it to them, um, it's, we talk about it like they're push-ups for your will, for your, your spirit is getting stronger because you spend that whole time you're fasting, you feel hungry, and you're like, oh, I need to eat to live, and you go, no. My spirit is in charge. I've decided to not eat for this time to dedicate to God. And every time you have that decision, you make that intentional decision every time, over and over again. You say no to food, something that you love and that keeps you alive. It's a double whammy. And you just give it up because you love God or because you're seeking an answer or because you're repenting from sin or whatever it is you have you know, going on for why you're fasting. Um, but so this is for, for piety. It, it helps us be able to say no to sin because I'm allowed to eat, I like to eat, I need to eat to live, and I still say no. I'm in control. I decide when I eat. I'm not going to eat for this day or that day or for this meal. 
I've decided to not do that because I love God and I want to become a better uh, servant for Him. That's what you, every time you do that, you're strengthening your will. So later when sin comes and it's bad for you and you're not supposed to do it, but it's kind of fun, it's a lot easier then. It's already got two strikes against it and you just got to say no to the other one because you're like, dude, I said no to a steak because I was fasting. No. Whatever this sin is, is, is way less tempting than that. Um, and so that's, that's what you're doing. Is you're building up your will's ability to resist temptation uh, by creating a temptation in sort of a, a safe way. So that's, so the, the reason to pray, to fast rather, is it also, now I don't ex, I'm not going to explain the, the theological, I love the theological discussion, but there's a certain point at which we become toddlers arguing about how rent is paid and what that means. And it's like, you're a toddler. Just play with your blocks, okay, buddy? You, the rent's paid. You're all right. You don't need to worry about that yet, okay? Um, and there's, uh, that's what theological discussions can become sometimes. Or they're like mechanics arguing about how a vending machine works. You know, imagine you've got a vending machine. Nobody knows what's inside. The glass is blacked out. And you just know I put a quarter in and push G7 and I get a Snickers bar. Uh, they can argue about how that works all day long, but that doesn't change quarter, you know, well, 70, 75 cents or a dollar nowadays, honestly. It's, it's terrible. Anyway, dollar, snicker bar comes out. Um, how, what they believe about how that works doesn't change the actual result, okay? Uh, and in that light, we see in Scripture, fasting makes prayers more effective. Fasting makes repentance more effective. Um, so that's, that's what we've got. When you fast, your prayers are more effective. When you fast, your repentance is more effective and your prayers for forgiveness become more effective. Whatever that is. I can't tell you by like 18 prayer units, you know, the, oh dude, fasting each day that you fast adds a 10% increase to your prayers effectiveness index. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Um, but we see in Scripture, anytime someone is sincerely praying for a desired result, uh, Esther has her handmaidens fast, and she asks uh, Hezekiah to get all the Jews in that area to fast while she goes to go before the king. Um, Jesus, fasting in the wilderness, right, before he's tempted, has this kind of, that whole ordeal sets up his ministry, and then he's regularly going off in the woods and doing stuff after that. Um... So it's, uh, it's, it has something where it magnifies in the, the spirit realm. Once again, I don't pretend to understand this stuff. I just like talking about it. That's what theology is. We, we talk and discuss about how these things interact. We base our, uh, our logic. We use logic to base our argument off of scripture. Um, and it's, it's just fun to, to think about and discuss and talk about the consequences of. But you can't argue with scripture. People fast and then pray, and then stuff happens. Uh, Nineveh was going to get destroyed. These were a bunch of pagans who were like murdering and torturing people. Uh, any research into Ninevite torture methods is stomach churning. Uh, this is an area before antibiotics, before like modern medical knowledge. 
they were still able to keep a person alive for three days while they peeled his skin off. Uh, these the Ninevites are, were weird, crazy people. The Assyrians, man. The Assyrian Empire were nuts. So, the entire city was going to get destroyed. God sends Jonah to warn them. And overnight, the whole city says, that's it. The king himself declares a fast. Nobody, food, water, people, or animals for three days, nothing. And everybody begged God to not kill all of us. And they were fine. And Noah got cheesed off, but that's his problem. So the fasting has some elements in which it, it makes fervent prayers more effective. As well as helping us become more pious by being able to resist temptation. It's like doing, doing weightlifting for your spirit. So, uh, when should you fast? I don't know, whenever. A lot of churches have regular fasting schedules. Uh, my church likes to do this start of the year thing where they do like the first 20 days in January. Uh, first 20 days of the year is like giving first fruits to God where they fast. Um, they, they do like the Daniel fast thing. That's how they make 20 days uh, consistently. Um, and the, because uh, they don't, <laughs> they don't starve themselves 20 days. Also, a fun little like linguistic trick there. Starvation is when you are forced to go without food. Fasting is when you choose to go without food. So you're not starving yourself. That doesn't make sense linguistically because starvation is forced. Fasting is voluntary. It was a fun little linguistic bit, uh, but starving makes it sound a lot more extreme. Uh, remember, thousands of years, people have been fine. Um, there's one podcaster I've heard of who says he fasted for 40 days. I know a guy personally who said he fasted for 40 days. Um, it's, it's possible without dying. Um, so, uh, for when, well, I'll do a medical disclaimer and stuff later. I'm not a doctor. Talk to your doctor. Obviously, if you've got some crazy dietary medical problems, you know, be intelligent about this. You know, uh, man, I miss the world where people were just automatically responsible for their own actions and not able to export responsibility like that. Anyway, so the schedule, right? If you're Catholic, you've got a rigid schedule of yearly fast, and you're not fasting. If you're a Catholic, then you're you're missing out, buddy. You, you better look up, talk to your priest or whatever, and get that uh, get a calendar um, for for what the regularly like fast cycles is and Lent and no fish on Fridays and all that stuff. Um, uh, there, I'm sure there's for like the Anglican types or the Lutherans or the common common book of prayer has some some different fasting schedules and some days you can observe. Uh, the, um, the Old Testament has some, some different things you can look into for, for when to fast. Uh, but you, in general, just adopt a personal schedule to fast consistently. I think it would be really good for you as like, uh, a regular discipline. Um, I'll get into how in a minute, but, you know, just pick one meal a week, one day a week, uh, one day a month, something, and just intentionally go without food and just pray to God about what's been going through your mind at that time. Um, so we'll, but, but make it, I, I encourage you to make it regular. Uh, you can also have special instances, you know, if somebody's in the hospital, uh, you get the text message, the prayer, prayer bit goes around, you know, so-and-so's mom has cancer, or, you know, so-and-so was in a car accident, that kind of thing. Stop, look at it, think about, you know, if they're in a hospital, about how long that person would be in the hospital. And then resolve to fast for some portion or all of that time to 
consistently pray for that person. So when you have a moment, or if you're like if you're battling a drug addiction, battling some kind of uh, sin addiction, to start your period of abstinence from that sin, from that drug, from that whatever behavior you're trying to carve out of your your stuff, fast and and pray to God that whole time that you're um, fasting to repent. Say, I don't want this anymore. Take it from me. It's yours, God. I need this out of my life. Um, as you're doing it, and then you're going to find it's it's much easier to, to repent of those things because you have that, um, that time. It's going to be very vivid while you're not eating. Um, and it, it, it does jack up the emotional content of your prayers. Like, they're just... It jacks up the emotional content of everything. So let's get into how. Uh, first off, medical disclaimer: if you got dietary stuff, take care of yourself. Be intelligent. Talk to your doctor. Um, on the health side of fasting, there are some people that claim fasting uh, will do everything from curing cancer to reversing type two diabetes. I don't know. I'm just saying those are things that you could look into if you're interested in that because it's uh, it's fascinating. Um, on a practical level. Human beings have only been eating three meals a day in America in the last hundred years or so. Any other time in history, you'd be a fat glutton and everyone would make fun of you. So we can stand to skip a few meals and just see how it feels. And I would suggest to you, start slowly. Uh, There are days, I, I know a lot of people, they just don't even eat breakfast. Because their day starts too early, they don't care, they'll grab a coffee and just hit the road. And then like 9 or 10 o'clock, they'll have like a, an earlier, largish lunch. And then they'll be good the rest of the day, eat dinner after they get home. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon. But to start slowly, go without a meal. Skip a meal. You're not going to die because you don't eat lunch today. You're not going to die of malnutrition because you skip breakfast. You're not going to die because you go to bed without food that night. You just won't. You might be miserable, it won't be fun, you'll be grumpy at everybody, but you're responsible for your actions, no matter how you feel. So uh, that's part of the experience, is be maintaining a polite social presence, even when you feel lousy and grumpy. And, and getting practice at being able to meter your response and your behavior, because you know it's overreacting, because it's grumbling constantly. Uh, the other thing is, just so you know, hunger is not like a, a straight curve of you just feel like you're going to consume yourself until you die. It comes in waves. Because your body's like, dude, we got to eat. Really? Oh, uh, no, we're not. All right, fine. Yeah, whatever. You go a few hours later and your body's like, no, it's. I think it's time to eat now, buddy. Um, and so you, it's, it'll come in waves. So you'll be fine and you'll feel great and you have like an energy spike for a while. And then you just feel like you're going to die again. But it only lasts for like 20 minutes. And then you're fine again. Um, your body is used to having food inside of it. And every time your stomach is empty, it, it shrinks down and starts emitting the little hormones or neuroreceptors or whatever. And tells your brain that you're hungry. So if you fill your stomach with water, it turns off that little like hungry response ticker. And it goes away for a while. And you'll be fine. Um, so start start slowly, start gradually, just see how you feel, see how long you can go, kind of like play chicken with it for a little while. Um, because at any time, you just stop. You just start eating again and try again later. 
Uh, it's a lot like weightlifting because it is doing push-ups, you know, your bench press for your spirit. Every time you moderate your behavior, even though you don't feel like it, every time you say no to something that you could normally be allowed to eat simply because you decided to pray to God, it, your spirit gets stronger. Um, but in the same way, when you go to lift that weight off the weight rack and you're like, oh, that was a bad idea. You just set it back down. Nobody's going to die. Nothing's freaking out. You, you lift it up and you're like, yeah, I got one. And two is like, no, it's not happening. Set it up. Take some weight off. Rest a bit. Try again later, right? It's the same way with fasting. You're like, I'm going to go the whole day without food. And then by lunchtime, you're dying. You're like, oh, dude, I feel like I'm going to fall asleep every minute. I'm yelling at everybody. This is terrible. Okay. Breathe. Drink some water. Eat a sandwich. Take a break. Try again in a couple of days. Maybe time it for a weekend where you don't have to do anything, you know. Be be intelligent about it. Know, know the time, what timing works best. If you know you're going to be grumpy and insufferable, um, do it on a weekend or do it, you know, do it for the evening. You know, eat, a, do a normal day and then you come home from work and then just kind of isolate yourself without food and pray that whole evening and go to bed with an empty stomach. Um. Just be tactical about it. Be intelligent, be thoughtful, be strategic. But start slow. Skip a meal. See how it goes. Uh, if you can skip a meal and not dying, and you're like, okay, well, maybe a whole day. See how a whole day goes. Um, and then two days, then three days, and we'll see. Physiologically, it's about the three-day mark. Your body's burned up all of the sugar that you have stored up in your digestive tract and in your liver or pancreas or whatever. Um, so it's about the three-day mark. You feel really awful the evening or uh, dinner time-ish on the third day. And then you uh, it's, it's almost like it echoes something important. I, I, I can't quite think of, you know, you're terrible for three days, and on the third day you have more energy or rise again or something. Anyway, um, but the uh, you, you go into ketosis after that, and your body begins burning fat on board, you know, fat that you have as uh, an energy source and then you you're using fat as your energy source from there on out that's what the keto diet does and stuff on purpose but anyway so you feel terrible those first three days you're burning through onboard sugar and then after that you'll feel more energy so if you do a fast and you decide to only drink like juices and stuff just know you're prolonging that kind of sugar up down up downs the whole way even though you still desire to eat food but that is a way to start into fasting slowly is if you drink more than just water, um, just be aware the sugar intake is what's going to keep you feeling that like blood sugar waves as opposed to just muscle through and burn through all the sugar for the first three days. And then after that, you're burning fat. Um, I occasionally fast for like five days in a row and it's not, you're not going to die. I'm actually pretty slender in general, but I got a little bit of like skinny pudge happening. Um, it's fine. You're not going to die. You can go a long time without food. Um, wilderness survival standards, uh, you can go, like when you're looking at emergency preparedness, um, when you're surviving in the woods, uh, they tell you three hours without proper shelter and you're dead, you know, in the cold or the heat. Three days without water and you're dead or no longer functioning in a way you can take care of yourself. Three weeks without food. Hours, days, weeks. Three weeks without food. Uh, before you can no longer take care of yourself. And then, uh, uh, with something else. Anyway, uh, but it, it scales up from there. But those are the, the main three, though. So, 
that, that gives you your priorities then for when you're doing wilderness survival is get shelter, uh, get water, and then you've got a couple, you got a week or so, you can start worrying about food and stuff. Um, your body doesn't start burning muscle for energy until after you've run out of fat because God built you in a very intelligent way and he knows you need muscle strength to walk around and get food. Uh, so if you just start deteriorating your muscles, you will feel a lot weaker. It's not going to be fun, uh, but ease into it slowly and know people a lot longer ago with a lot less uh, medical knowledge just did this stuff all the time for a month, for a month at a time, uh, semi-regularly. Uh, don't do it a lot. Don't do it very consistently um, because that's when you start having nutritional issues you need to worry about. If you're very concerned, consult a doctor, do a lot of research. But as far as just skip a meal and pray instead. Now, how do I go about fasting when I'm actually in the fast now? Here we do, right? Um, first and foremost, have a goal. It's twofold. You need to know why you're fasting. Uh, are you repenting from something? Are you praying for a certain outcome? Are you just wanting guidance? That's uh, most of the time like, God, what do I do? Where do I go? You know, help me know how to handle situations as they come up. You know, I want to lead my family better, those kind of things. But have a goal, have a, a thing that you're praying for that's consistent for the fast. This fast is dedicated to XYZ. And then have a set time. If you know, I'm, I'm going to skip one meal today. Okay, then I'm going to skip one meal today and I'm going to pray to God for grandma in the hospital. Solid. Skip that meal. And in the time of meals, when you would normally eat, we still always have that time set aside. So now that time becomes dedicated to prayer. As well as, so like specific, I'm going to get private, sit in my car, sit in the bedroom, lock the door, pray for the timing that you would normally sit and eat. And then also, every time you have a hunger pang, every time you feel, oh man, I want to eat something, that's your reminder. What am I praying for? Oh, stop, whisper a silent prayer for whatever your intention is. You know, please help grandma. She's in the hospital now. You know, the, she's in the ICU or whatever. Like, help, Jesus, help grandma. Every time you feel hungry, so you have a recurring mental prayer, your hunger becomes a reminder for what your intention was, the goal of this fast. Um, and then you have a, have a set time limit makes it easier because you go, okay, just one more hour, just two more hours, just one more day, you know, whatever your next, um, your, your time limit is. And once again, like we were talking, if at any point in time it doesn't, you, you just don't feel right, things get too weird, it's just like the bench press, right? You can tell there's that moment you're just like, I'm going to get hit in the face with this. Boom, you throw it back up on the rack. You put the weights down, take a break, give it some time. And then just come back to it later. It's not a big deal. Um, this is for you to get stronger in your spirit, to become more pious, to get closer to God. You have time. Relax. Just try again later if it, if it didn't quite work out. And um, so special occasions, I strongly encourage you to, to fast if you have something you're praying for fervently from God. Um, for healing or um, to solve an interpersonal relationship at work, for guidance, repenting, trying to carve a, a sin or a habit out of your life. Um, fasting can be powerful for that, to direct prayers in that direction. Um, but have a regular time of fasting where you just regularly ask God for help, ask God for guidance, um, whatever medical concerns or something people might have at the time. Um, but just have a consistent time where, like, you know, every Friday, skip lunch and I, I pray to God for the week. Or every Monday, the start of the week. Or, you know, I start skipping lunch after church on Sunday and just 
pray for how the week's going to go or something. Find find something consistent, though, that you can do um, that's on a weekly or monthly or, um, you know, you don't want to get too elaborate because it gets easy to forget. Uh, but yeah, something that every week, every month, you've got a little window where you, you skip food and you put God first and you, you work on it in your life. And you'll you'll notice a difference. You'll feel a blessing. It's awesome. Uh, so I'll put the verses down below, but clearly Jesus said, when you fast, do this in uh, Matthew. <coughs> uh, he says later on, the, they're making fun of his disciples for not fasting, the Pharisees and stuff. And he says, they have the bridegroom now, but there'll be a time when the bridegroom's taken away. And they'll, they will fast then. And that's in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'll have the references down below. Um, but even uh, marital relations, um, Paul mentions fasting from being intimate with your, your wife for the time of a fast by prayer and fasting. You know, don't deprive each other except by agreement for a time for prayer and fasting. Um, and then, yeah, fasting is so powerful. We see even in Jonah, the uh, their prayers are fervent and uh, their their repentance is sincere, at least for that time or for that generation in uh, Assyria, in Nineveh. And uh, the Assyrians had some problems. You know, so. uh, that's all I've got. Uh, don't take my word for it. Uh, I'll have a link to that C.S. Lewis one on fasting when I find it down in below. And uh, Godspeed. Do your own research. The button's over here. All right.